0: Claire, thank you for um, coming and just sharing okay. your story with us today. Um, let's just start with the easy questions. What's your name? Where are you from? How long have you been a part of us here?
1: Yeah, so I'm Claire and I'm from Seaford, so I've lived here pretty much my whole life. Um, and I've been part of King's for about six ish years. Um, and you probably usually see me in the worship team, which is what I love to do. I love to worship God. Um, my mum. Sitting over there, Alison. Put her in the spotlight. <laughs> She's been coming here the same amount of time as me. And
0: yeah. It's Was he a local Seafordian? Is it Seaford or Seaford? Seaford. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Hands up if you agree. Is it Seaford? Ooh. Any Seafords in the house? Oh, Erin Strong at the back Uh-oh. there. <laughs> 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 We're gonna go with Seaford. Yeah. Um, great. <laughs> so um, yeah, we've asked you to kind of share today, I guess, looking at that theme of the good shepherd yeah. and the story of what God's done through you and in your life up until now. Um, so me- perhaps if you could just start by, I guess, in a very quick summary, just a kind of where your story's going to go. What's your yeah. story about of Jesus being your good shepherd?
1: Um, well, my story is really about God bringing me from a place of um, feeling really hopeless and... How he brought me into hope, and it's—I'm kind of going to share a bit about um, an illness that took a big chunk of my life, and how it affected me and my relationships, and my relationship with God, and kind of how he brought me through that. Yeah. So we, yeah, we will—I'm sure—really, really, really welcome Claire up here. It's a big deal okay. to sit up
0: here and share your story, which I'm sure you appreciate. So let's just, as we just listen, just yeah, big smiles for Claire. It's just <laughs> a kind of sharing. Um, so I'm going to slip off our no. <laughs> stools. I Awkward stools. So yeah, let's let's kind of get started. Why don't you start by just sharing a bit about
1: okay. yeah, the beginning and go from there. Yeah, so um, I was brought up a Christian by my mum. Um, me and my sister were brought to church from a quite a young age. Um, my dad um, wasn't a Christian and is not a Christian, but when we were small, he kind of went along with it in su- to some degree, and he'd say things like... Um, I believe that Jesus was real, but I don't believe he walked in the water and things like that. And from just a child, I remember having that childlike faith and really wanting to convince him and, and wanting him to believe. Um, my dad was a teacher. And from the very start of school, I struggled a lot academically. So I was often in the lower sets at school. And I took that on quite hard and kind of it affected my self-esteem because I would try really hard, but I couldn't understand why I wasn't sort of achieving these grades. And um, when I was about seven, my grandma passed away, and we took a year out to travel, which was amazing for um, young children to do. But at the same time, it meant that I kind of fell more behind in my academics. Um, and when we returned, my dad got a teaching job at Newland, which was in Seaford, and um, I got some extra help with my academics, but at the time, it was a performing arts school. Um, so I took up dance, and I kind of got engrossed into that whole dance world. I had a new group of friends, and so I was trying to fit in with them, and um, trying to be the best at everything. I think I was quite a perfectionist, so... I wanted to be the best dancer. I wanted to be clever. And I, we were all quite competitive with each other. We all wanted to be pretty. We all wanted to be small. Um, and when I couldn't achieve these high expectations of myself, um, I really, I took it on very harsh. And I beat myself up about it. And I started thinking thoughts like, um, wh- why am I not good enough? I'm not good at anything. And yeah, my friends were very like I say, competitive, and I remember from a very young age, we um, we would sit in the playground and they'd go round one at a time saying um, their weight, and I remember thinking to myself, well, why do not I not weigh that much? And looking back, it's obvious that each of us were lying because we were competitive with each other, but um, in my head, I didn't know that at the time, and I just thought why am i different in every way
0: so how did that make you
1: how yeah how
0: did you come to feel just at those times that all those things kind of adding up how did they kind of yeah leave you feeling
1: um yeah just really low on myself really like um (coughs) like i didn't know what to do about them because i would i would try very hard in life i was constantly striving Mm -hmm. um and so yeah my self-esteem became really low and at the same time there was sort of a pressure from in my home life and I just want to say before I say anything about my dad that um, I do love my dad and I understand um, why he behaved the way he has Um, but there was a lot of comparison with my sister and myself so um, while she would be she would kind of be the beautiful model, look-like look person, and he would say things like that. I would be the one that made him laugh or the one that was good at singing or whatever, but in my head, that wasn't good enough. Um, and he had a difficult upbringing, and I do believe that in generational patterns, and I believe it's really important to break them in the name of Jesus, and my dad obviously never did that. And so the thoughts that my dad's dad put on him became once he thought about himself and then became what he thought about us so they were the s- sort of things he would say like um, he would often allow my sister to eat something and not me and I just took that on to mean I was disgusting you know and a particular event I remember was um, we had a family day and it was our extended family and we went raspberry picking and I remember I ate my raspberries and my dad said something in front of the whole family about basically somewhere along the lines of me being greedy for eating them and shouldn't be eating again and so I refused to eat the rest of the evening and I must have been about nine when that happened and it really strikes me thinking about that because no nine-year-old should have those thoughts and I remember looking back at, like I look back at pictures now and I can remember fit like the way I felt about myself like, every single photo, there's negative feelings that I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with competitiveness, and I think it's something that we all can so easily fall into, it's like, it, we kind of think to ourselves, if I could look like that or have that job or that much money or, you know, be that good at something, and it takes us away from our actual identity and... Mm-hmm. Um, takes us away from our God-given purpose. So we're trying to follow somebody else's um, instead of living up to our own. And that's what I kind of spent my childhood doing.
0: Mm. So, Um, so, I mean, you mentioned that obviously you went to church as a young child, going through those kind of moments that you've kind of were quite defining on how you felt about yourself. Where Mm. did you feel that God was in that at that time, um, as a young child, I remember you saying before that you, like, loved God mm, and, yeah. like, you really, like, loved him. But obviously yeah. going through those things, did that affect your relationship with God or what you thought about God or related yeah, to Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, yeah, so when I was really young, obviously, I, I'm i very close to my mum and anything she would have told me, I would have, <laughs> you know, like, clinged on to. So because she, she taught me about God and everything, I... develop that love for God and I felt really passionate about it as a young age but then as I got older and I started having these feelings about myself I don't think I could understand him because um, if I couldn't love myself so I thought how could God love me and in turn how can I love God Um, and like a little bit later in my life I'll talk about in a minute as a teenager I would be angry about at God looking back because I think if only he just made me naturally thin or if he just made me clever or just like what I had one thing then I wouldn't have to like suffer in this way and that's the way I thought about it really yeah okay so kind of what
0: yeah what happened next really yeah Where
1: did you go um so just before my 14th birthday a new girl came to the school and I knew that she had an eating disorder and I, at that age, I didn't see like, the suffering and the pain that came with it. I just saw that she was thin and aspired to be that way and kind of looked up to her in a way. Um, and so, in that moment, I didn't decide to have an eating disorder. I just decided I'm going to go on a diet. And so, I obviously, at the time, didn't understand what that was, and I just cut my food in half. Um, but then my mind kind of started playing tricks on me, and that wasn't good enough. So I would not eat all day and all at school, and then I'd come home, and so my mum wouldn't know, I would just eat my dinner. Um, But a teacher found out at school, and she obviously had to tell my mum, which was really devastating for us all. At the same time, it meant that it was no longer a secret, so I didn't have to hide it. So I became really, really extreme with it, and I just wouldn't eat anything at all. And I even denied myself water because I wanted to punish myself and I developed anorexia. Um, and just want to say a bit about it now and then I'll explain a bit more later, but um, people often would say to you, why can't you just eat? And it's a really hard thing to understand if you haven't been through it. But the way I kind of explain it is it's not initially about food, it's about all the things like if you think of a tree and um, a tree grows from the roots and then from that grows out all the branches and the roots are the root causes. So it's the things that I can cope with, like the atmosphere at home or uh, not being able to, no matter how hard I tried, be good enough. And all these thoughts that I just (coughs) couldn't, I couldn't bear Mm. became the things like the, the branches of the coping mechanism. So it could be depression or whatever your thing is, mine came out in that way, um, yeah, and that's how I dealt with it, um, and I... Yeah, did you receive any help
0: at that point? Where did you...? Kind of yeah,
1: um, my school obviously referred me to CAMHS, which is Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, so I went to see them, and I had a lot of appointments, so a lot of different people all the time, which was hard, and it made me feel different, you know, none of my other friends had to go through this all the time, and and um, yeah, so, but they would help, and they would get me to a certain place, but when I got better with my eating disorder, and I was at a healthy weight, I couldn't cope with that, and I couldn't bear it, and it was like my safety net, and the one thing that I had control over was gone, so I would, in those times, I would self-harm, so, I would um, cut my arms and um, so a way to explain it really is that all the feelings I was feeling, like I would have an argument with my dad or I would struggle with something in school and it it would just build up and it would be just like almost, you know, you can physically feel these feelings and I needed to do something with them. I I needed a release so I would hurt myself. But then doing that, meant all the shame suddenly hit you and it you know that it's wrong and you're very secretive you want to hide it for, from everyone and it just goes back in full circle <coughs> really um, yeah okay. what age was was that that yeah so kind of it was I was 14 when I first got it mm-hmm. and then all the way up to 18 I was like that with with it really and um, yeah, up and down with it, I wouldn't say that it wasn't there at any point throughout that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I were, I went to New Wine every year, which is a Christian summer camp, which did help me. And there was one year where I was just before God, and I was so exhausted by it all. And in that moment, I really meant it. And I said, God, I just want to give all this to you. I've had enough. You can, You can have it. I just want you... And I did feel like an overwhelming peace in that moment. And it was when I was 18 and I kind of pulled myself together. And I got a job for Ross at um, Sea Salt Bistro or Salt and Sea, as it was later called. (laughs) Don't want to get it wrong. (laughs) Um, And I I enjoyed my job. And (coughs) I was part of Kings then. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking in my head, God's healed me. Um, but at the, and I even I stood here and I said a little bit about it before I got baptised um, but I was still having those thoughts in my, in my mind and I still couldn't actually love myself mm. which like I said earlier does mean that I couldn't love God mm. and so did you find that was just so ingrained in you that that just felt quite, Yeah, was just
0: life that's how things yeah. are going to be from now on yeah just
1: that's what I thought because I think a lot of time, like mental health services, I would hear a lot of like, you'll never be fully better from this, but you can learn to live with it. So that's what I thought. I thought, I'll just learn to live with this. But you can't really live with those thoughts all the time without it having an effect on you. Um, And when working for Ross, I was, I'm sure he'll remember, I was very low on myself and I, I didn't think I was good at my job and I beat myself up about that, and I didn't think I was smart enough to ever, like, have a career or go anywhere in my life, so I felt really hopeless, and things at home with my dad were getting a lot worse, so I was kind of, I dreaded going home, and I would just run up to my room and just hide in there, very isolated, Um, so when I, just after my 21st birthday, I relapsed and my anorexia came back, Um, but this time it was, I don't know whether it was because it it had been so many years and my body was just fed up of it, but I lost a very extreme amount of weight very quickly and I became really unwell. Um, And, yeah, I'll explain a bit about my kind of day-to-day life with it. Um, So I would kind of wake up in the morning and I... There were no scales in our house, because my mum had got rid of them, but she found out the other day when I told her I was hiding some in my cupboard the whole time, so I would sneak into the bathroom first in the morning and weigh myself, and either way, it wasn't a good good thing, because if I had lost weight, then it wasn't good enough, and I started thinking, how am I going to get lower? Like, that's not a low enough number, and if I gain weight, then it was devastating for me and I, and just the shame hit me and I, I started thinking what am I going to do today I can't eat anything and my mind would be going at like a hundred times an hour and um. I couldn't shut off these thoughts and it would be like how am I going to hide my food today how am I going to not eat how much weight am I going to lose and although and eating disorder isn't initially about food and weight, it becomes about that. it becomes an obsession and it is an illness um, and I just couldn 't fight those thoughts. Um, yeah, and exercise became um, you know normal everyday exercise is just extreme, so I would force myself to go for dog walks when I was exhausted and like pe- like speed e- speed up the hill and um My relationships were falling apart because all I thought about and all I cared about was the eating disorder. I couldn't shut off my mind to anything they had to say. I couldn't focus on and it wasn't important to me. And same with God. Like I couldn't focus on God because that that was my world. I was helpless to it. Um, And I... So I... I was, I was aware that I was really hurting my family, and I wanted to hide it the best way I could, so I would just not eat anything, and then I'd have to um, try and eat something in front of my mum, just because I couldn't bear the sight of her, like her hurting face if I didn't, so I would eat, just literally sometimes it would just be a, a tomato or something pathetic, and then the, the shame that came over me, I just couldn't, bare, so I I would down a load of water, so I had enough in my stomach, and then I would throw it up, um, which then, a bit like the self-harm, made me feel really shameful, and I tried really hard to hide, although they were aware of it, Um, and um, it would make me feel more hungry and more weak, and... um, Yeah, it it was just a very shameful thing for me. And then I would kind of go to bed and have a nighttime routine of like exercises, which then make me feel sick. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd try on all my clothes to see how they fit me. And just an absolute obsession. All I thought about was food, even though I was afraid of it. I would have dreams. I dreamt one night that I had a Diet Coke, but I found out after I drank it, it, it was not diet and I woke up with tears in my eyes and it was just like all-consuming really. So yeah. Um,
0: And then you did um, I think I guess with the support of your family like go to the doctors and try to get some help that way. Yeah. And yeah did that kind of, yeah.
1: Yeah so I was still working for Ross and he and Zoe who is part of this church encouraged me to go to the doctors and I did and I was told that I would see someone within three weeks of I ever read apps, which didn't happen. <laughs> um, I waited for months and I became too unwell to work at Ross's and one day he had to sit me down and ask me to take some time off because I just physically couldn't do it. And I remember just bursting into tears because I'd let this thing control me again because you think you're you're in control, but actually it takes away everything you love. Like, you're not able to do anything. It took away dance for me. It, I wasn't able to work. Um, but he offered for me to come and live with him and his family because um, he didn't want me stuck in my house the whole time in that atmosphere. And so it was very out of character, but I agreed to go. And looking back on that is really special to me because I can see God's grace all over it and um, like we were saying um, sometimes when you're in the thick of it you you can't see God and I didn't want to talk to God because I thought I'm doing this to myself and I don't actually want to stop I want to I want to keep going with this so how can I speak to God but when I was there I felt more of God than I felt in a, a really long time and I was with people who were praying for me and with me and, and just supporting me and not pushing me, but just loving me. And, and their kids I really loved and they gave me a reason to get up every day and do something with my life. Um, and so, yeah, with the mental health services, I finally got an appointment and I went to see a psychiatrist and he, he said to me, they would try and find m- me somebody to help, like a psychiatric nurse but he would struggle to find somebody because eating disorders are difficult to deal with and it would be hard to find someone to take me on. So I walked out of that thinking, what am I gonna do, you know? I don't actually have any hope. And eventually I did, I got an appointment with a psychiatric nurse and I'd asked for a, a woman because obviously I struggled to l- relate with men and it ended up being a man and I was I was told that I would have like a food plan and they would help me because those were the things I was clinging on to because those were the things I knew that I couldn't do on my own and my family couldn't push me to do it so I needed that kind of help. When I turned up for my appointment um, he took my weight and he said although I was underweight I wasn't in any danger and, um, and that I wasn't able to be referred to an eating disorder specialist Um, And I remember just walking out that day, and I just couldn't speak the whole day. I was devastated, and I just, my hope was completely gone, and I thought, I'm going to have to get sicker. And I knew that I couldn't get any sicker, like, without this thing killing me. Like, I thought, this thing is either going to take me or I have to do something. And it was kind of, they say, you know, it's your lowest, that you're lowest, that you can make that change and it it was in that moment I kind of realized God didn't actually create me to um, to suffer with an illness and let it take me you know that's not my purpose in life and I I realized I didn't want that Um, so I had known another girl in Seafit who'd struggled with an eating disorder and um, she had been to a place called Mercy UK, which is a residential home in Yorkshire, Um, and I kind of saw her freedom and (laughs) the place that God had brought her to, Mm -hmm. which I really like looking back on because it shows me how God can turn our hurt into something beautiful and and, um, use what we've been through to pull somebody else out of what they're in. So that day I decided to apply and... By the grace of God, I got accepted.
0: Yeah. So, um, you yeah, took that brave decision, I guess, to apply and got on, and, and then off you went to Mercy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, you've, you've kind of explained it there, but it's, so it's a residential yeah. thing. How long do you go for? Yeah. Um, what kind of thing? What, what is it, really? It's just for those of us that don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's
1: fine. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, it's up in Yorkshire, and it's... For young women, I think it's 18 to 30s, the age. Um, There's about 18 women in there, and it's completely free of charge. It's Christian, so it's kind of like a discipleship program. And each young woman is in there for a different reason. So you go in there not allowed to discuss your reasons and everything, which was a good thing because it meant we didn't compare. Um, So they take people in with depression and substance abuse or anything that people are struggling with Um, and they, uh, the kind of difference with them is that they teach you to look to God and they point you to the one who is the healer and the one who can actually bring you freedom and they kind of believe that you could live a life that isn't consumed by this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have a hope for that
0: when you went, like did you think this could
1: yeah, I think I did, but I also had that pressure on me as well. Because like, when I got there, I wanted to go home instantly. And I even I said to them, I'm going home several times, and nearly did. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I thought, this is what I pinned all my hopes on. And it was what I pinned all my hopes on. Um, so, yeah, should I explain a bit of the, like the set-up of yeah, it? And, um, so, it's kind of like... There's um, steps to freedom. So you would work through forgiveness and um, healing life hurts and um, the lies that you were believing and things. And you would have Bible reading and you'd have worship time and you'd have teachings. And you were assigned a one-on-one facilitator who you saw each week. Um, And then they had a, a thing called a hatch where you had to go make the decision to speak to them and say what's going on with you. Um, when you first go in there, everyone's put on after-meal monitoring. Um, and, yeah, so when I got there, it was almost like I was I was done and I was exhausted by it. Mm-hmm. So that the first night, I literally just ate, and I think they were really surprised by it um but up until that moment i had gone days without eating because i thought i wasn't sick enough to be there mm-hmm. um and then i sat in after meal monitoring um just like sitting in my thoughts and i was too afraid to talk to anyone and i was for a long time because i was scared of what they would think and i i kind of had that thing where i meant to be a good christian and i meant to like feel this way about god and like i wanted to be good mm. i didn't want to do anything wrong which is partly why I ate as well because i didn't want to annoy anyone or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally i just wanted to be nice but all that was challenged there like they pulled out that stuff in you mm. and that's stu- the stuff of wanting to be perfect and um it just got to a time where they weren't taking me off of after meal monitoring and I was getting frustrated like why aren't they but they knew because I wasn't you know I wasn't talking about it and so one day I just went to the hatch to speak to the staff and I just kinda let it all out and I said I'm feeling like I'm fed up I, I wanna throw up and I wanna um, go back to my eating disorder I, I don't care about anything else I don't even wanna talk to God and Said all this, this stuff, and they just like met me with love, and just said, told me they love me, and hugged me, and mm-hmm. said like it's okay, and prayed with me. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of that moment that I realised that's who God is, and mm-hmm. if anyone's going to understand what I feel, mm-hmm. it would be Him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of changed the mo- the way I did my journey from then on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, if
0: you. Um Yeah, I guess that was,
1: like you say, quite a
0: pivotal moment when you were there of like, realising what God's love's (coughs) like. So how did it then continue from there and how did you kind of Um, take steps into knowing God's love for you and being set free from some of that
1: stuff? So before I went in, I think most of my life I just talked at God if I was going to speak to him at all. I never really considered that he would talk to me. Um, and so the sessions that I had really kind of taught me that God speaks and I would pray through my life hurts and just say, um, like, God, where were you when that happened? Like, these memories that were really hard for me to think about and he would come in with just, like, really beautiful pictures of... um, him being with me every step of the way, coming to me, coming with me and all these appointments and and um, some some images I would have of just when someone was saying hurtful things to me, I would just see Jesus blocking mm-hmm. them from me and protecting me from them. And so those memories then became comforts to me and things I actually look back on as a good, good thing. Um, and I would pray you have to write down everyone you needed to forgive and pray and ask like, and forgive them and ask God to bless them. And that brings a lot of healing. Like sometimes I would be stuck and I'd be like, why am I not moving forward? And it it would be because I needed to forgive somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing that probably was the most helpful thing for me in there was I wrote down all the lies I believed about myself. And then I prayed through them and I asked God, like, what is your truth? And waited for him mm-hmm. to tell me. Um, i write them down and then find Bible verses to back them up. Have you any um, anything you could share? Yes, with I have conveniently, <laughs> <laughs> I've I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, say a lie, I believe would be I'm alone and nobody understands or whatever. And he would say that he feels everything I feel and the verse would be Isaiah 53 verse (coughs) three. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain um, or that I believe I have no future. And he said to me, he sees every single day I have to come and the verse is Psalm 139 verse 16. Your eyes saw my informed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Um, another one he said is your identity is in me it doesn't matter what other people think and it's from Ephesians 1 verse 5 God decided in advance to adopt me into his own family by bringing me to himself through Jesus Christ this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure and so I had this like a list longer than this and I would read it over myself every day because you can't just get rid of those lies, you have to replace them with something otherwise it leaves. Yeah, like you say, they've been there a long time as well, I guess. Yeah.
0: I can think those yeah. lies that you just thought are normal because they're that yeah. ingrained in you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm just aware of time. If oh. We're <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, then you, I guess, did you just, was it a journey of just, as you spoke those things, like just starting to find some freedom? Yeah. And just, yeah, putting to death those. Yeah, I think
1: the change in me was that my identity wasn't in an eating disorder anymore. Like, before that was who I was, and I think everybody knew that I was ill, so Mm. that was just me. And then my identity was in God from that moment onwards, and I think I just knew that anything I ever have to face, he's already faced, and he faces with me, and I could look back over my life and be comforted that I was never on my own. He, there was n- nothing I ever faced without him. Mm. Um, and also, like my journey was, like I said in the beginning, like hope to hopelessness and, hopelessness to hope, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for me that that was believing I had a future and, and um, yeah, just, um, how to explain it um, just not being consumed by those thoughts all the time and, and knowing how to deal with them if I was like even now I have to if I don't do something like this for a while then they will come back but um, it's having the tools to um, work through them with God really I guess the verse that
0: or the bit that Jez read out from the Bible kind of the thief comes to yeah. still kill and destroy yeah but i guess But jesus comes to give life and yeah to its fullness and i guess that how would you yeah uh, as yeah, we kind of i guess it's like a conclusion to i'm sure there's plenty more you can say and like i know that yeah you'd want to really emphasize just all that kind of god's done in you and i think that's come across really well um but yeah i guess that theme of jesus shepherding you through and oh no i've lost my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, as you look back and look to the future, how would you say that Jesus, I think you've already probably said it, but no, as your good shepherd, um, through those painful moments? Yeah, um, yeah, pleasure.
1: it's, um, yeah, like I said, just um, knowing that he's he's been with me through all those times, and also, like, I, before I went there, I wouldn't, Um, I wouldn't even speak about hopes or dreams because I thought people would laugh at it and be like you you couldn't do that Mm. and like a couple of the the things that I wanted to do was just help other people that had been through the same things do some (coughs) counselling courses and I wanted to go to Mozambique to do some missionary missionary training and those things were incredible and I did those when I came out and they were just teaching me more about God and who he is and his heart for people but they were also ways of showing me like you can do anything that god puts in you like that with that you have all you need because you have all of god and um, yeah and what i would say like to other people who are struggling as well is never to feel like you have to be perfect when you come to god or you have to be in the right place Mm -hmm. like and a real comfort to me is to think of jesus When he was on the cross like saying to his father why have you forsaken me and Mm -hmm. he was real with god and we can do the same Mm -hmm. and that for me is the greatest comfort you know Mm -hmm. so yeah thank you
0: thank you thank you i'm just going to pray and then we'll hand back over okay and to jesuit father thank you that you are a god who is like that thank you that you are a god who meets us where we are I thank you that, like Claire said, that there's no need for us to come to you perfect, that you draw us to yourself as we are. Mm. I thank you that you take us from, you can take us from hopelessness to hope. I thank you that you bring us through illnesses and you are every step of the way. Mm. I just pray for us as a church that, um, yeah, those words of truth that Claire's spoken and through her story that actually that would kind of dig into us and, and into our hearts, that we would take those precious truths away, that you do have a plan for our lives, that you love us, that you, our identity is found in you, and I just thank you so much for that. Thank you for Claire, and just her boldness in being up here today. Amen. Amen. Shall we give Claire a round of (laughs) applause?